Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hello. Normally, this is a show where each week, Ashley and I, we would talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, but due to the pandemic, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching here at home. And on this episode, we're talking about two John Hughes productions from the 1980s that both star Molly Ringwald. The first is Sixteen Candles from 1984, and the second is Pretty in Pink from 1986. I hadn't seen either of these, uh, but you have. Is that correct? Yeah, I just popped your cherry. (laughs) I'd been meaning to catch up with uh, a lot of John Hughes movies. Um, I mean, really, the only ones I had seen were probably his most famous ones, like Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller. Those are probably his most well-known movies. These two movies are somewhat similar. They're literally the same movie. I mean, let's... I think he wanted to do a third movie with Molly Ringwald, and she said no, well, and they, that's when they stopped their relationship. Well, they did the Breakfast Club together, so technically they've done three. It seems like both of these movies have endured over the last thirty-five years as like teen staples of the nineteen eighties. And you know, I, like I said, I've been meaning to catch up with all of John Hughes's movies, yeah. uh, but I didn't really have the time. Now we got nothing but time. <laughs> so, well, I think I think you know you were asking me what what's the appeal of these movies, and I think the appeal for me really is the unique, eccentric girl who is different from everybody else, who looks different, acts different. She's not that different, though. She's just she she's just a regular teen girl in the 80s. She's not. She's not a part of the popular clique. She's very geeky. She, I mean, she's Molly Ringwald. She's going to be okay. I think I definitely she had an, a, an appeal in the I, 80s. I don't think that if she were an actress now, she would go anywhere. I hate to say it. Well, like it seems yeah. like the top offers kind of stopped coming to her after the 1980s. <laughs> yeah. Well, now she plays the moms yeah. like in TV series. And she, she kind of plays off of her role as like an 80s teen icon. Yeah. In both of these movies, she does. She bags the hunk. She does. Yeah. Um, you know, in 16 Candles, it's Michael Scheffling. And then in Pretty in Pink, it's the object of her affection is Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. I don't know who Michael Shuffling is. <laughs> I mean, did he? I mean, I guess I guess this was like his his main movie. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, he's in Mermaids. This isn't a guy who really went on to do much. I mean, Andrew McCarthy, I at least I, I recognize from Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. Hello. No. Oh, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, it's uh, the Sixteen Candles that also has Anthony Michael Hall, who's a a staple of these John Hughes movies. Yeah, who's the quintessential geek. And that's what his actual character name is, is Geek. He doesn't even have a name. That's correct. I'm looking at IMDb. Yeah, he's just credited as Geek. So (laughs) he really got kind of typecast as that in the 80s. I mean, he he looks different now, Anthony Michael Hall. Oh my God, so different. He's Yeah, he's he's not playing the geek anymore. Oh no. But let's uh, let's just talk about John Hughes for a quick second. Sixteen Candles. It was his first movie as director, and that kicked off quite a run for him through the eighties. You know, you got Weird Science, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He also wrote Christmas Vacation and Home Alone. Oh, nice! So this guy had quite an influential voice uh, right up uh, until the the nineties, uh, where his work kind of eventually slowed down. He passed away relatively early in 2009. He was 59 years old. But it just, yeah, it seems like that, like that run from like, you know, 84 to like 1990. It, uh, he was popping them out. 
So, yeah, I mean, some directors, yeah, they they just they had this period of time where they were really just hitting it out of the park. Yeah. And yeah, that this was definitely his time. Um, so let's let's talk about Sixteen Candles. Yeah, let's which, do it. Which was his directorial debut. The IMDb plot summary reads: A girl's sweet sixteenth birthday becomes anything but special as she suffers from every embarrassment possible. This movie has an eighty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And back in 1984, it pulled in about 23 million off a six million budget. So this was a profitable hit. Yeah. I mean, it you know it launched launched several careers. Uh, and so yeah, this movie it centers on Samantha, and she's played by Molly Ringwald. And when the movie starts, it's it's her birthday. It's her 16th. Yeah. And her technically, par- it's the day before. The day her before. 16th birthday, and then she wakes up, and then her parents kind of forget about it. Right, so that's like the first big issue. Like her parents don't recognize her birthday. <laughs> I mean, these issues seem like small potatoes. Yeah. I gotta say. Well, they they because her sister was getting married, you know, the day after, and or they, and they have they're having a family stayover. They're having all their family stayover. The uncles, the aunts, the grandparents. Well, there's there's like a foreign exchange family. Yeah, one no no no. One of the grandparents adopted like an adult Asian man. And this man is his name is Long Duck Dong. Yeah. And and pretty much every time they say his name, it's accompanied by a gong sound effect. Oh my god! So like. So we're yeah we're back in the racist eighties. Oh my god! Like time time travel back to the racist eighties. It's like wow. Some of the things that they said in this movie, I was like. "Mm." Well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to that, Uh, especially one line from Jake, which is haunting, (laughs) like where he's like pro date rape. Apparently, apparently this this guy. Like yeah. But, yeah, and it's really just about, I guess, does this all take place in a day? In two days. In two days. So is the day, it's like her birthday and then her sister's wedding, which is the day after. Which is after. like the morning after. Yeah. And, well, yeah, so I guess the bulk of this is really during this day, her 16th birthday. And it's just really just, you know, the, the trials and humiliations that she suffers throughout this day. She's crushing hard on this guy, Jake. Who's played by Michael Sheffling? Yeah, and so what happens is she's passing a note in the class, and it's supposed to go to her best friend who sits right next to her, but or right behind her. But her best friend is sleeping, and Jake, the hunky character, uh, intercepts the note. And pretty much in that note, Samantha goes and says that she wants. It, it, she hasn't had sex yet, but if she does. Who does she want to have sex with? And it was Jake. Jake, yes. And then that gets in his mind. And so he's asking everybody at school about Samantha. And he knows. She's a sophomore. He's a senior. And does he know who Samantha is? Yeah. Okay. He knows it's Molly Ringwald. And he he likes her. He's into her. Yeah. But, you know, it's high school. And so, you know, we can't just, like, go up to people and say how we feel. There's got to be all these games. There's got to be, like, this middleman. Of course. And that's... Do you like me? Checkbox? Yes or no? <laughs> like, this is how it works. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall, he kind of gets roped into the middle of this, yeah. right? He's like the middleman. He's he's friends with Jake. No, he's mm- friends with Molly, Samantha. Samantha. How does how does he know Jake? Because, like, I mean, they... Yeah. They end up friends. They end up friends because Jake sees Michael Hall, or geek talking to Samantha and then Jake comes and asks the geek questions about Samantha and then he's like oh yeah I'm good friends with her because they go they ride on the bus together because geek hits on her a lot right a lot just kind of aggressive he's like an aggressively obnoxious dude well he's the king of the geeks 
Like, and also part of those gigs is John Cusack. Yeah. You have a little brother sister duo, John Cusack and Joan Cusack. She's Joan in this. Joan Cusack is, but she's got no lines. That's right. Yeah, I don't know what she's, she's doing. Just, she's just just she, practicing, yeah. I guess. She's she's playing another geek. Yeah. With a head. It's nice like, seeing familiar faces in small yeah. roles, like before they were big. Yeah. But yeah, John Cusack is in this, and that's, I mean, he's fun. And yeah, the it, I guess it basically comes down to like, you know, the geek, he needs to like prove to his other geeks yeah. that he's been with a girl. Yeah. And so I guess Molly Ringwald just has like a favor. She gives him uh, her, her, her panties. Her panties. Because so, they have a heart to heart, and she feels bad for him. Sure, I mean she needs to like tell him to like get the f away. Like, I mean, you are. I think she's you are secret- harassing me. I think she secretly likes being chased. She likes the attention. Yeah. Sure, even if it's from geek. Yeah, every girl likes a little bit of attention. And so every girl likes to know that they're wanted. Amen. Breach it. <laughs> And so what what eventually happens with the panties? Like Jake, Jake eventually gets the panties. Yeah, because Geek gives it to him. And why does he do that? I think after that party, the big party at Jake's house. Jake does have a girlfriend. Jake does have a girlfriend. Who's like the pretty girl. She is. Or like like the prom queen. She's the popular girl, prom queen. But he's not not feeling it anymore. Well, I think she's just, she likes to have fun, get drunk at parties and... You know, to the point where she passes out and, you know. On that note, yeah. And there's some boobs in this movie. Like, they show her taking a shower and I said, this is PG. Was that her in, yeah. the, in that first scene? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we saw, like, some sort of extended <laughs> But, yeah, the, like, in the beginning, like, there's a random F-bomb, there's some boobs. And yeah. then it, and then it like, stops. Then it's just, like, a regular movie. I have a feeling those were cut for theatrical. Yeah. But uh, this girl, yeah, at, at this party, she's passed out. And Jake has a line. He has a line, and I quote, She's in the bedroom right now, passed out cold. I could violate her ten different ways if I wanted to. And this is a supposed sympathetic character. He's like the object of Molly Ringwald's affection. Yeah. So what he's the, the hell? Quote, he's a quote-unquote nice guy. What the hell is this line doing? I guess this line is supposed to indicate like... That he is a good guy because he's not date raping yeah. her. And then doesn't he kind of encourage Anthony Michael Hall? Like, hey, if you do anything, she won't know. Yeah. So what? I mean, <laughs> I mean, what was going on in the 80s? Uh, I mean, this line really sticks out like, wait, what did he say? <laughs> um, but I think he, he at this point in time, like he. Standards so have risen, she, thankfully. She threw a, like her, his girlfriend threw a party at his house and the party got out of control and broke a whole bunch of stuff and destroyed his house. And so, and she got completely drunk and annihilated to the point where passing out, her hair gets caught in the, a locked door and so they literally cut it off. Yeah, shenanigans. Par- and, party shenanigans. And then so he puts her in the bed and, and he wants her out. Yeah, yeah, he's sick of her. And so he finds Geek. He, he doesn't even like her enough to date rape her. No. And he finds Geek kind of put into the, the middle... Cons like the middle not console. He's like uh, hiding coffee table. He's hiding somewhere. He's not hiding. He was Oh like stuck. some bullies yeah. stuffed him in there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. some bullies stuck him in there. So, you know, <laughs> he got him out and this is where the panties this is where they, exchange. This is where was. they start bonding, I and, guess. Yes, and this is where, you know, they're talking about Samantha. But yeah, eventually, I mean it's the plot kind of like splits off and Geek and Cynthia, the girl who was passed out. 
they go on their own little adventure. Well, yeah. So they put them in uh, Jake's father's car. And they're cruising which around. Is a nice Rolls Royce. Sure. And she's wasted, but she's like passed out. And then she goes, woo, crazy, and then passes out again. And then they end up pulling over and having sex. Well, they don't even remember if they had sex. Like they ask each other. Did yeah. We... It's unclear, yeah. I think. I mean, maybe he date raped her. But yeah, so that's, I guess that's like a score one for the geeks sort of thing. Like yeah. you see the geek end up with like the popular girl. And I guess there's some fantasy wish fulfillment in that thread. Um, and then Jake finds them in, in the parking lot, like asleep or whatever. And he's okay with it, right? And yeah, he, he wants it yeah. to be done. Yeah. Even though like he's into Samantha, but hasn't really spoken any words to her. Yeah. But it's, yet a, he's it's a little strange. Yeah. Gaga. They're both, yeah, just really infatuated with each yeah. other, but they've never spoken words yeah. on camera to each other. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, you know, the the ending, you know, which has, I guess, some iconic images. Yeah. You know, he shows up at... Sister's wedding. Her sister's wedding. I think Long Duck Dong. I think he tells him, like, Samantha's getting married. Yeah. Uh, like, because he's, like, hungover. He gives him, like, false information. And so he rushes over there. And uh, yeah, we get a good good shot where like the wedding clears out, and he's kind of like waiting behind the across the street by yep. his car, and then he gives her uh, you know a cake with sixteen candles on yeah. it, right? And there you go. And yeah, they have it kind of like kiss over yeah. the cake. And her sister, like the wedding was atrocious, took too many volumes, and was barely like walking down the aisle. Right, the sister's like wrecked during this. And why did she yeah. take volumes? She's just nervous. She has really bad menstrual cramps. This was written by a man. It was. Which is inter- I mean, interesting. I mean, I can see it. Sure. The dialogue. Like, yeah, is, yeah. Some lines kind of give that away. very masculine. <laughs> it's just, I guess it, it's strange for a, an adult man to want to write a story about a girl's sweet 16. I guess I'm just wondering, like, what motivated this? <laughs> Maybe he I mean, it worked out for him. Either Jake or Geek. Probably, I could probably Geek. I mean, he keeps yeah. putting Anthony Michael Hall in those movies. So, uh, yeah, there's clearly something here he, he identifies with. But, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting choice for, yeah. for in material for a grown man to make. So, um, yeah. And, yeah, she has a happy ending. You know, all those trials during the day. She gets what she wants at yeah. the end of the day, which is Jake. Which is Jake. So it's a happy ending. It is a happy ending. Yeah. I, for one, think this is a great movie. A date night a movie. Great, a great movie? Well, I like it. Okay. I grew up on it. What grade would you give this? A B. Well, that's not great. Well, I mean, that's above okay. average. It's good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it a B also. I mean, it's... I don't... I meant to say it was a good date movie. I guess with just the longevity that this movie has had and... You know, the way people talk so affectionately about this film, um, you know, I was expecting something, I, I guess, a little more... Um... Breakfast Clubby. Well, yeah, Breakfast Club is a great film. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ferris Bueller is a great film. Yeah, and this is this is like an okay film. I, I think the comedy is probably its best asset. Like, it, it, it well, goes for comedy. It gets, it gets some laughs. I think Molly Ringwald is good. And, you know, the comments, the... The day rape. The day rape, the <laughs> just the call gong. it what it is. It's day rape. <laughs> I mean, there there are some very dated aspects. Very yeah. dated aspects. I'm just wondering, scene. like, yeah, like I mean, I have to assume, like, in 1984, you're watching this in the theater, and every time someone says the name Long Duck Dong, 
it gets a big laugh. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's where we were in the 80s. That's where we were. Because <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just, it's unnecessary and it's inappropriate. It's inappropriate. <laughs> it's yeah. inappropriate. So I, I'm with you. I'll give it a B. Uh, this I is in the B good, range. I think it's a date movie. It's a good date night movie. I'm going to debate that. I don't think there's a whole lot here for dudes. I think this is a movie you want to watch with your there, girl pals there's, and like a slumber party. boobs. I think this is a movie girls can enjoy best with other girl girlfriends. Yeah. This, yeah, this speaks to girls, I think, more than guys. Are you my Jake? Are you asking if I'm a date rapist? Because that's, that's who Jake is. But he's not. He just jokes about it. He just jokes about it. But yeah, I, um, yeah, this is like a B and I, I wouldn't recommend it to dudes, but, um, you know, girls, girls have fun. The one thing that was missing in this movie, though, I would say is a, a nice soundtrack. I think Pretty in Pink, which we're going to talk about, that has a better soundtrack, yeah. I, I would say. There's certain aspects of Pretty in Pink that are better than 16 Candles and certain aspects that are worse. Let's take a break. When we we'll come back, get into that. We'll, we'll talk about Pretty in Pink. All right, we're back. And we're going to talk about Pretty in Pink, which was written and produced by John Hughes, but directed by Howard Deutsch. Howard Deutsch. Deutsch. The I'm to be plot summary reads... A poor girl must choose between the affections of dating her childhood sweetheart or a rich but sensitive playboy. Is that who Andrew McCarthy was? A rich but sensitive playboy? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but her childhood sweetheart? I guess that's that doesn't Ducky? That make sense. I mean, that's this is, not... I mean... This is what it's saying. I guess, I guess Ducky that's Ducky. Ducky is her best friend. It's but he, not childhood sweetheart. But they've known each other since they were little, yeah, I think. Yeah, sweetheart is not the word. It's misleading. So this is, yeah, this is basically the same story as 16 Candles, Molly Ringwald. This one plays up the, the class element yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, because she's so concerned about her being so poor. She makes all of her clothes and her clothes are pink. And they're pink because her mom, her mom ran away or her mom left, but she remembers her in pink. So that's why... She's living with her her dad, played played by the great Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, that's one area where this movie trades up with the dads. I will say, I mean, James Spader's in this movie. James Spader's pretty good. I mean, he's he's pretty good in this. Pretty pretty slimy. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, you've got a better ace eighties James Spader. Yeah, you got a better cast. I think so. Yeah, you have a better score, and I I mean, the movie movie has a little bit more polish to it. I think than Sixteen Candles, but there's one. Big liability in this movie, <laughs> and its name is John Cryer. And this th- got him his career. <laughs> this was his breakthrough performance, and holy shit, this is like a nails on chalkboard yeah. performance. He is so annoying in this movie. I was very he, confused. He should have toned it down a notch, maybe like fifty notches. Well, this is his big moment. He's got to seize it, right? Can't dial it down. Well, I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, he obviously had, he got a career after this movie, so you know he maybe was liked back in those days. <laughs> well, you you say career? I mean, you're talking about like two and a half men. <laughs> two and a half men make a lot of money off a sitcom. I don't want to bash on John Cryer this whole episode, but I was very confused when he was. When Ducky is introduced, because like the music and the way, like the way he's dressing, makes you think like he's gay. Sh- in yeah, the, in, in the movie, I think yeah. Clearly, he's confused about a lot of things. I think he's manic depressive first and foremost. So true. But yeah, when he's introduced, it's like 
the language of the film is trying to tell me this is a cool guy. This is a, a cool, quirky guy. But he's acting in a way that would, would get him we'll beat get, up. We'll get him beat up and put him in the insane asylum. Yeah, he would. Yeah, I mean, someone acts like this in real life, they're going to get their ass kicked. And it, the movie never really reconciles that because no. I think I think the movie thinks this guy is like cool and quirky. Yeah. But I'm watching it, and like he is like he's a direct threat to Molly Ringwald in this film. It feels like like she needs to get the hell away from him because he is dangerous. Yeah. He has stalker vibes. And Definite stalker vibes. You know, I think he wanted Molly's character to end up with him. And that's where I thought the movie was going. I had a weird experience watching this movie because I'm like, oh, man, they're going to pull, you know, a switcheroo, which we've seen before, which is like Andrew McCarthy turns out to be a dick. And, you know, it turns out the real love of her life is, you know, the boy next Ducky. door, Ducky. Yeah. John Cryer's performance was like was so abrasive like I was going to, I was going to reject that ending. Yeah. Once they got there, and that's where I thought it was going. Fun fact: that's where the director wanted it to go. But well, John Hughes. John Hughes. He's not the director of this. Well, he, that, okay. He so wrote he and produced wrote it, it. So he wrote it to have them be together, and they filmed it. But they had to do two separate endings because when they filmed it with Ducky and Andy, audiences did not like it. Of course not. Because, no. I mean, who would want... It tested poorly. Who would want anyone to end up with An Ducky? annoying... This, yeah, I mean, this, like, this insane... <laughs> miles a minute. He's, I mean, there's a scene where, like, they're, they're at the record store, and he comes in, and he just, he does a whole song and dance number to, like, an Otis Redding song. Yeah. And it goes on for, like, five minutes, and he's, like, bebopping and scatting all over the store, and they just, I mean, they're in the middle of a conversation, and he just hijacked it. Yeah. People like that need medication. Like you don't indulge them. You give you put them on medication and you monitor them. So Ducky is clearly not well. He clearly has many like undiagnosed psychological issues. And yeah, I just I wonder like what the hell is he doing in this movie other than making me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, aside from the whole Ducky issue, you know, it's you you have Molly Ringwald and Andrew McCarthy, and I think they make a decent couple here they do, yeah. I, I think they have more chemistry yeah. than she and jake from 16 candles so that's another area where this is a little better you, know, you have annie potts as uh, like yeah. the record store employee she's kind of a useless character but it's nice to see I her mean, she's she's the best friend she doesn't she, do much she's like the mother figure and yeah them working in a record store great excuse for some slamming 80s tunes right so yeah great soundtrack here just great classic 80s songs going on here and 80s fashions it's a it's awesome. a good it's a it's a good 80s time capsule I, I would say but yeah this is another movie where like i i think i was expecting more than what i got but it, it kind of redeemed itself by the end because she doesn't end up with, with ducky. ducky but ducky redeems himself in the end because he pushes her towards him well he, i think ducky realizes that she's just not that into him yeah, and it's it breaks a, his heart. There, there's yeah, there's no physical connection going on between the two of them. I mean, Ducky is too busy like wearing pork pie hats and dancing around the school to music in his head. Yeah. So yeah, Andy needs like someone who's living in reality, and yeah, Andrew McCarthy. He's you keep waiting for him to like be like a dickhead and for there to be some sort of like manufactured crisis. But Andrew McCarthy's pretty much like a decent dude. Yes. He, he doesn't really do anything terrible. I mean, he, he doesn't brag about date raping girls. I mean, no, give him that. But, but he's got a... He has a history, I guess, of dating a lot of girls. No, he's got asshole friends. 
And they, they make it hard. They make it hard. Yeah, James Spader is like a real snob. And he plays it as great as you would expect, James Spader. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, I was expecting, I was expecting the movie to have her end up in Ducky's arms, which would have made me sick to my stomach. And the movie didn't do that. Mm. So the movie pulled a switcheroo for me. And, it, you know, that last little twist where Ducky, you know, it kind of acts selflessly for once. And he redeemed himself and the movie redeemed itself. So I thought this was ultimately okay. It's okay. I, I thought 16 Candles was better. I think 16 Candles works better as a comedy. Yeah. The comedy is better in 16 Candles. They're both, I mean, they're both kind of the same in my book. They are the same kind of movie. I, I, I give this a B. Yeah, like I, like I'd give too. 16 Candles a B. And like 16 Candles. But they do have James Spader and... And Harry Dean Stanton. And I'm just like, wow, James Spader was amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason James Spader is still acting. Yeah. Because he's awesome. But, oh my God. He's got so much hair. Well, yeah. He's looking fly. I mean, that's... still a great actor. It's just the the force of time. Oh, yeah. Just... (laughs) Did not age all Changes us all. But he's amazing, and he loves playing the villain, and I love a good villain. I I think you told me this. They offered him... Uh, like the Andrew McCarthy role, yeah. But he was he wanted to play the the, the, the heel, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he knows his strengths, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the movie the movie redeems itself, and so I wouldn't. I don't know if I would say this is a great date movie. Like, I wouldn't recommend this to like a group of dudes. <laughs> no, no, dudes wouldn't want to watch this. Movie. I mean, a good a good date movie. It should appeal it has both. Yeah, this one is not as a good date movie as as Sixteen Candles. Sixteen Candles, in my opinion, is a better date movie than this one. I think they're both m- movies that girls can watch at slumber parties with other girls, <laughs> and that's really what what they're for. Because <laughs> these are these are like quintessential girl movies, like girls like staying up like late at night having a like a Molly Ringwald double feature. I'm sure that happened all throughout the 80s. Well, okay, so another fun fact is John Hughes wanted to do a, I guess, third movie, kind of the same thing, but with Molly Ringwald's character getting with the geek. And Molly said no, because she's like, it's redundant. I've done it. I've done it twice. <laughs> I've done this. And John Give Hughes, me a different role. <laughs> John Hughes got really upset and stopped working with her after that. It's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, John Hughes' last movie was Curly Sue. Curly Sue? <laughs> yeah, he, he went out on just kind of a low note. Yeah, like the 90s, it, it really just kind of fizzled out. <laughs> yeah. Curly Sue with James Belushi. <laughs> there you go. But no, I mean, we, you know, he, he had a great run in the 80s. And uh, I mean, that's that's what made, that's why we're still talking about him today. Um, There's definitely some things that are dated yeah. in uncomfortable ways, like 16 Candles. But I mean, you can use that as a good conversation piece now. You know, talking with girls about getting, you know, drunk or about bullying in high school and like not caring if you're rich or poor. I mean, you know, those are those are life lessons that you can really get from this. And yeah, I agree with that. You can have a, a serious conversation with your children. And girls, young girls definitely should see 16 Candles so they know, like, don't pass out at a party. Yeah. This is what guys are going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, expect the worst and keep your guard up. It's true. So, yeah, that's our show. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
We're on Twitter at DN Movie Podcast, and you can also email us at Date Night Movie Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. See ya.